and welcome to the inaugural episode of Inside Grappa, where we delve into the latest research and development on psoriatic diseases. I'm your host, Fabian Proft. I'm a rheumatologist working at the Charité University Hospital in Berlin, and I currently have the honor to chair Jan Grappa. We've got an exciting show lined up for you today. In this very first episode, we are going to be discussing a paramount topic, the Grappa treatment recommendation, which are cornerstone of our clinical practice, shaping how we diagnose, treat and manage psoriatic arthritis patients. I'm thrilled to be joined today by three esteemed experts in the field. We have Laura Coates from the UK, Artie Kavanagh from the US and Enrico Soriano from Argentina, all bringing their unique insights and perspectives on this important conversation on the table. Laura, Artie, Enrico, welcome to Inside Grappa. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for inviting us. It's fantastic having all of you here, and I'm very much looking forward to an enlightening discussion. Before we delve deeper into our discussion, let's set the stage with a very brief overview of the Grappa treatment recommendations. These guidelines, developed by the Group for Research and Assessment of Psoriasis and Psoriatic Arthritis, called Grappa, provide a very comprehensive framework for the treatment and management of psoriatic disease. Grappa treatment recommendations are essential because they offer a unique approach to care, focusing not only on the clinical aspects, but also addressing the holistic needs of our patients. They aim to improve quality of life by reducing disease activity and managing symptoms, thus fostering a patient-centered approach. Since the implementation, these recommendations have significantly impacted the way that we approach psoriatic disease. They have streamlined decision-making processes, facilitated communication between healthcare providers, and have indeed played a crucial role in improving patient outcomes. In essence, these recommendations are a tool to optimize patient care, and that's why understanding and implementing them is so pivotal. Today, we aim to unpack all these guidelines and discuss their implications for our practice And it's such a pleasure to have the lead authors of the current treatment recommendation update here in the room and hear and listen to their expertise. And maybe we can start with you, Laura. Sure, happy to help. Maybe you can give us some insights about the process of creating those recommendations, also the history of the Grappa treatment recommendations, and highlighting any challenges that you have countered along the ways and especially your key takeaways for practitioners. Sure. So the Grappa treatment recommendations are part of the core work of Grappa. It fits nicely into our mission statement to provide information on the up-to-date evidence for management of people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. And this is now the third iteration of the treatment recommendations. So the first ones were back in 2009. They were updated in 2015 and now again more recently. And it's important that we have to keep updating them because obviously things move on. We're very lucky in psoriatic arthritis that we have an increasing number of medications available to us. But that makes life much more complicated. It makes it tricky for clinicians to choose between different drugs and to try and assess which drug is right for which patient. So it's really important that we keep the treatment recommendations up to date. So we had experience from doing this back in 2015. We followed quite a similar process. So we used a grade type process to develop the recommendations, similar to that in 2015. We've throughout the process with Grappa followed this domain-based approach. So we've always considered the six key domains of psoriatic arthritis and then looked at the evidence behind treatment for those different domains. And we wanted to keep that this time. I think the big changes we've had this time, we've obviously seen the inclusion of new medications. We've got new mode of action that weren't available in 2015. 
We've got a little bit more information on older drugs, which is useful on some of the conventional DMARDs. We've also got more detailed evidence around the treatment of related conditions like uveitis and IBD, and they're now included in the main treatment recommendation figure. We've updated the information on comorbidities and added two position statements on, I think, topical areas of interest. One on biosimilars, thinking about how we use biosimilars and how they should be integrated into our practice and a second position statement around tapering, which there's been much more evidence on in the last five years or so with a number of observational studies and randomised trials. So I think it's key that we have these regular updates. It's important that we follow this domain-based approach. I think the ideas behind the GREPA recommendations haven't changed, but it's trying to provide the most up-to-date evidence that we can for practising clinicians across the world. Thank you, Laura. Very brilliant insights and very important takeaways for us as clinical practitioners. Arti, maybe you can share your perspective on the importance and the impact of these recommendations in your clinical practice and also specially focus on the patient outcomes. Well, thank you very much. I'm sure happy to talk about that. And I think with any treatment recommendations, with any guidelines, the ultimate test of them is how they're going to play out in the clinic. And I think here, uh, their guidelines and the recommendations we came up with from GRAPA for PSA are really quite relevant. And I think they're very impactful in practice. Uh, we all see patients that have psoriatic arthritis and have involvement across different domains. And I tell the medical students when they come through my clinic that this is why they should be rheumatologists, because you never know how much psoriasis someone's going to have, how much arthritis, how much they might have in the terms of anthocytis and the other domains. And by building it on the domains as we did with the treatment recommendations, it really puts the emphasis on the patient about what's most important to the patient. So that is very important and very impactful day to day for me in the practice. We evaluate with the patients And then we present them the treatment options. And of course, we have to be sensitive to what patients had been treated with in the past. We pay very close attention to their preferences. In different countries, we have more or less problems with access to certain medications, or we have to structure how we treat based upon the local regulations. But having these treatment recommendations allows us to say, what we want to do is to get the patient outcome to be the best it could. I often say that to patients. I say, we want to get your psoriatic arthritis to the point where you feel like you did before you had the diagnosis of psoriatic arthritis. And the way to do that, I think, very efficiently is to focus on the domains, focus on the activity that the patient has in each of the domains, then look at the availability of therapeutic interventions. And with the patient, of course, work to pick the therapy or combination of therapies that is going to most successfully address the areas of the disease most important to them. And the other part of I think is very practical, very important about the treatment recommendations is from the very start, we have emphasized that it's an iterative process. You sort of do this over and over. You try, you see how it works, you try again and you adjust. And I think In that way, you're perhaps more 
able to achieve the highest level of outcomes for the patient across the domains. Thank you, Artie. Thanks for sharing. And I think you focused on a very important point that we really aiming to improve the health-related quality of life of our patients. Thanks for sharing this. My pleasure. Thank you. Enrique, after we heard from Laura about how the treatment recommendations were compiled and also about the history of them, and now we just heard from Artie about the clinical impact on his daily life, maybe you can share with us some of your future thoughts how the grapper treatment recommendations can develop further. What will be the next steps? And if you would foresee, what will be the next major update in the upcoming treatment recommendations? Uh, thank you, Fabian. Well, as Laura mentioned, we are very lucky that there are new drugs and new mechanisms of actions that are being tested and are also being approved for the treatment of psoriatic disease. So, as she said, we need to keep our recommendations up to date. However, as you know, to develop this type of comprehensive, participative, international, interdisciplinary guidelines take quite an important amount of time. So actually, we are already starting to work on the next version. Perhaps it would be ready around 2025, 2026. We don't want to take so long to update these, these guidelines. One of the challenges and needs for improvement uh, that we have is to shorten the time between literature review and publication of the guidelines, and we will strongly work on that, because we don't want that the guidelines are already not up to date when they are published. Also, as Laura mentioned and Artie, one of the important features of the GRAPA guidelines, and actually that is now being taken by other guidelines, is we have different recommendations for the different domains that are involved. And I think that we should keep that approach. Related to improvement, I think that hopefully we will have better definition for some of the involvement, for example, axial disease, and more information of some special groups, such as oligoarthritis and other types of psoriasis, apart from plague psoriasis. And perhaps, and hopefully, a comprehensive multidimensional assessment tool that everybody likes and approves. I think that other areas of research that might be incorporated on the next guidelines are the prevention of development of psoriatic arthritis and psoriasis, some about precision medicine, so the use of biomarkers or tools that allows us to select the best treatment for each one of our patients, and perhaps something about some new treatment strategies, for example, combination of biologics or biologic sequencing treatment. So I think that that more or less uh, rounds up what we are thinking about the next recommendations. Thank you, Enrique. And maybe we can already start to sum it up here, because we heard from Laura about the history, we heard from Artie about the impact on clinical practice and daily routine, and we heard from Enrique about the future outlook. And maybe each of you could very shortly and succinct share your key highlights from the 2021 treatment recommendations from Grappa with us. All right. Well, I'm very happy to be involved in this podcast and very happy to be involved in the process. 
I think what I would say is the key highlight for me was touched on by Laura when she did the introduction. That is, it's really, these have grown very organically. And it's by the efforts of a lot of people taking a tremendous amount of scientific information and updating it a lot. It's uh, Look at the last version. There's really so many new things like the position statements, like the inclusion of IBD and, U- and uveitis. And this shows the result of tremendous progress in the field. I think is really useful for us to work with our patients to get them to be the best they can be. Ati, thank you for this. Laura, maybe can you also share your very succinct 20-second soundbite highlights from the Grappa treatment recommendation? Yeah, I think for me, the highlight is probably the figure. So it's bringing in a tremendous amount of information. It's hopefully distilling that in one single figure that's easy to see, that where you can look at the evidence for those different domains, the related conditions, and it gives you kind of a flowchart and ideas to work through with that patient in front of you in clinic when you're trying to work out what the next step should be. Thank you, Laura. Last but not least, Enrique, now it's tough for you to find some more highlights, but what were your further highlights that you want to share with us? Yeah, thank you. Always is difficult to be the last, but I think one of the highlights is the really international character that these guidelines have. They involve experts from all around the world, and I think when it comes to the implementation of a guideline, it's very important to have the local opinion leaders involved in that recommendation. So I think that's one of the achievements of RAPA that is very, very important and I want to stress. Fantastic insights. Thank you all. These points encapsulate the essence of the Grappa treatment recommendations perfectly well and how they are guiding our practice on psoriatic diseases. That already brings us to the end of our inaugural episode of Inside Grappa. I want to extend my sincere thanks to Laura, Artie and Enrique for sharing their knowledge and experiences. It was a pleasure having you here for the inaugural podcast. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, thank you, listening, for joining us today. And we hope you find this discussion enlightening for your clinical practice. This podcast just started, so stay tuned for any further updates. Upcoming episodes will focus on the domain-specific manuscripts that have been developed by experts in the field. So stay tuned for more information on Inside Grappa.